Everybody, it's Justin Glodish here with episode 42 of the Aka Education Podcast, and I'm excited for this week's episode simply because uh, this is the next generation. Um, the teachers that these two amazing young folks have had, um, I'm actually really good friends with, uh, and they were members of the acapella group I was in in college, and now these two are in the, the co-ed group that is at the same college at Potsdam. I got Alyssa Spazzato and Andrew Richardson joining me this week on the Aka Education Podcast. Alyssa and Andrew, welcome. Hello. Hello. Now, Alyssa is actually, she's Long Island born, you know, she, uh, and she was working with uh, Mr. Brian Huff, who we've mentioned in the podcast before. He was her high school director. And she was actually just the most recent president of the Potsdam Pitches, which is the um, co-ed group that is at SUNY Potsdam in the state of New York here. And Andrew is the music director. And he actually is also a former student of a good buddy of mine, Mr. Tony Ravinsky. Um, Oh, in Cornwall, New York, at uh, Cornwall High School, and uh, Andrew is uh, phenomenal at what he does. Alyssa has killer pipes. I'm so excited to talk to both of them today, and I'm actually going to start with Alyssa, just because um, if you aren't aware, Alyssa just won runner-up for um, Best Solo through the CARA Awards, the Contemporary Acapella Recording Awards, so Alyssa, talk a little bit about, about that experience and just the uh, one, the honor of being nominated, and then two, being recognized by the acapella community, which is, you know, growing larger and larger. Um, what was that like for you? I mean, it was just crazy to even be nominated for such an awesome award. I've known people who have been nominated before. And obviously, like, you watch people go up and sing their solos. And you're like, oh, my God, like, I wish that I could be as great as that. And then, like, you know, um, getting the chance to work on such an awesome song. Um, I did Sandcastles by Beyonce. And mm -hmm. um, it was just like, it felt like it was like the song for me. And um you know, I got a lot of opportunities to workshop that song and, like, really refine it. I love doing songs that are, like, more belty and have a lot of, like, riffing and stuff like that. And those are skills that I've been working on, you know, for a while. So um, it was just such an honor to be, you know, even just nominated. And, um, you know, I obviously wasn't expecting anything to come out of it. But then even to just get runner-up was amazing. So, um, yeah, it was just, like, just kind of a whirlwind being able to, like, take that song and, like, make it my own and be able to do that with solos. And so I hope that I can get the chance to, you know, sing some more stuff with pitches in the future. Yeah, I, absolutely. I, I agree with you 100%. And one of the things that I love about it is that, you know, that list, that the, the winners and the runners-up, that goes everywhere. So people now know your name. They see your name and they're going to want to be I got to get her. I want to talk to her, you know, and they're, you're going to be incorpor incorporated in a lot of different projects. Now, Andrew was actually uh, nominated for um, one of his arrangements as well. And uh, Andrew has actually been arranging since high school with his high school group, Treble in Paradise. And he's, uh, like I said, the music director of the pitches now does a lot of great arrangements. So Andrew, what was that like uh, being nominated for you? 
it's crazy, honestly, to think about, like, where that arrangement started and, like, where it actually got to go. Like, I just think it's crazy just, like, sitting in my room right now, just, like, working at the piano. Like, you never imagine that, like, the work that you're doing, like, in the computer on Finale and at your piano then turns into something as big as that. And then to hear it, like, fully realized and recorded and then actually get, like, an award and, like, recognized for the work that you did, that's just, like, a crazy feeling. Because you can't even possibly imagine those kind of things when you're just, like, doing it and you're just piecing it together. Mm. So I just, it's just crazy now uh because i have you know the killer soloist and the awesome arranger so my question for you with uh, with the pitches with the group that you work with is is it a situation where andrew when you create an arrangement do you have the soloist in mind or do you still have the solo auditions for all of your group members or how does that work out in terms of choosing repertoire and on what to arrange yeah so what we do in the pitches is we frequently will have like a shared Spotify playlist and I encourage people to put repertoire into that Spotify playlist that they think they would like to hear people in the pitches sing. When it comes to solo auditions, we allow everybody the equal opportunity to obtain every solo, but we never put repertoire into our like lists or start arranging stuff that we don't think anybody in our group could sing because that's not really setting ourselves up for success. Right. So as much as we like everybody to have that opportunity, we definitely have a few people in mind that we think could really kill it, but I guess it's really just up to them in the end to put in the hard work and really get that solo if they want it. That is so smart. Uh, that's a, is a great way to look at it, especially for educators who are looking, you know, looking to really approach the solo opportunities in their own, you know, scholastic groups. Um, and I love the way that you said, you know, we really make sure that we, you're almost like looking through your um, filtering the repertoire, you know, no one's going to throw in a song by, I don't know, like some emo group out there and be like, all right, I think this one guy can do it, but you know what I mean? So, um, and then in terms of a group rehearsals and Alyssa can probably talk about this too, is um, what's on the paper. Is that what comes out in the final performance? I was always curious because I know that when I was with the pointer counts, that typically was what we did, like what was on the paper. And then maybe we'd throw in a nine here or we'd like change this rhythm there. So um, is is your arranging, Alyssa, do you find that the arrangements are more of the a guide or are you pretty straightforward in what's written? I think it's really a balance. I think that we try to stick to what's on the paper, but... Um, you know, everything's adaptable and we got to work with like what our group has. And there have been times where, you know, arrangements get arranged and then rearranged and like, oh, that doesn't really fit for this person's voice. Or like, let's move this up because we have some killer belters this year. So we've got to like really bring this out or like changing some rhythms or riffs and stuff. And especially when it comes to like solo lines, solos have, you know, they the chance to be interpreted however they want to be. I, I don't mm. think that I sing sandcastles anything like the way that Beyonce sings it, and you know that's fine. But um, even the ensemble parts, I think that we always you know we'll change keys, we'll do different stuff to like just fit the voices that we have that year better because we always just want to you know arrangements aren't one size fits all. Right, and Andrew, anything you want to add on to that? Yeah, and when it comes to my arranging process, like I'm. I'm not the type to always be satisfied with stuff, and even the arrangements that we worked on in this ICCA set, I have like already in mind like edits for sandcastles for the next time that we do it because I hear it and I think, hmm, that's not exactly didn't really work out or that's not really working for these people. Let me make those changes and make those edits because these arrangements grow with the group, and I don't want the arrangements to hold the group back in any way. Mm. They are for the group, and it doesn't make any sense to have arrangements that don't work for your group no matter how cool or awesome they look, if they can't be sung very well, then they're not going to look like good arrangements. So it's really important to just start making those tailored 
um, changes to those arrangements to make them work for your group and just finding those places where things could be improved or notes could be changed or is this really working for our tenors or is that really working for this alto just making sure that everybody is in a good spot in their voice because when everybody can sing something successfully it just sounds better overall right and you actually mentioned icca and now the pod stand pitches have been around uh, about four what 14 15 years now um i i think it's like they literally started right after i had had left potsdam and um they're actually the the first potsdam group and the only potsdam group to make icca finals um so you know we're talking cream of the crop here and uh we all know we've mentioned it on the podcast earlier uh just how this year's icca ichsa the open how it went and i know for me and my group we it was a challenge to truncate everything from 12 minutes to four. So what were the challenges uh, for the pitches this year? Because I mean, through the grapevine talking to colleagues of mine, you know, were you even able to meet together? Was everything, you know, how, what was it like this year? That's, that's my biggest question. So uh, Andrew, we'll start with you. What was it like this year? Yeah, so this year the Potsdam pitches actually didn't participate in the ICCA competition. Oh, okay. Um, because of various factors, but it was a very difficult semester not being able to meet in person, and we did our best to try and do virtual things. So I do a lot of like one-on-one meetings. We use a lot of rehearsal tracks, recordings, those kind of things to just get those um, elements of assessment into the group to continue to work on stuff because there's not a lot of performances. And honestly, in the not-so-distant future, we don't really know what our school is going to allow as far as performance-wise. We're just continuing to polish and work. We also spent a little bit of the semester um, really focusing on um, building up our group's skills. So if we can't necessarily perform what other things could be spending our time in. So we had um, some little classes where, like, we talked about arranging. We tried to share more skills about arranging, spending more of our rehearsal time building up skills like arranging and soloing and music tech and these other elements of acapella that we really wanted to learn more about, mm-hmm. directing as well. And we tried to just share more of our knowledge between our group members in order to build up the strength in other ways. If we can't perform, there's lots of other elements of acapella that we could be exploring and building and trying to like continue that like diffusion of knowledge throughout our group because that's how collegiate groups need to learn because there's not one person who sticks around. We're reliant on us sharing our knowledge, my knowledge, Alyssa's knowledge to the next generation so that we continue our greatness. We continue where we want to be with our group. I don't know if you can tell, but Alyssa and Andrew are both music education majors. And I can already tell just uh, based on their answers, they're going to be phenomenal educators. Actually, Alyssa, we, we were talking before we uh, we hit record, Alyssa's going to be student teaching come fall uh, down on Long Island. So um, Alyssa, I actually want to ask you a question because you mentioned, you know, you're singing Beyonce winning, you know, runner up in, in uh, these, these award competitions and whatnot. Um, and I'm not a, a riffer at all. And I know I have some students that are, and I'm always looking to learn as an educator. So are there warmups? Are there, you know, exercises that you do that really help you really expand your vocal abilities to riff the way that you do? Um, learning how to riff has been a journey for sure. Um, I wasn't always able to do it, so it definitely takes so much time and practice. Um, Honestly, like a lot of riffing is really a lot of like pentatonic based stuff. So finding warm-ups that are, you know, pentatonic based and um, going from, you know, do's to ahs to just speeding those up and like trying to see where you can get to it. And then I'll find sometimes a riff that's like really simple that I know that I can do. And I'll just like 
I'll warm up on it. I'll just take it up half steps and see how it, you know, how it builds in order to like build up my stamina to be able to do what I do. If I'm trying to learn a specific riff, um, I will break down riffs. Um, I watch a lot of Natalie Weiss videos and I know that she's coming out with a class really soon about how to like break down riffs. So, um, just taking it, slowing it down, trying to like analyze like what those actual things are, singing it on do, singing it on whatever syllable, and then slowly speeding it up. That always helps me to like learn how to do specific riffs. And then once I know how to do whatever the artist does, then I have the liberty to play around with it and then add my own thing to it because you know, you always want to put your own spin on it. And I never want to do the exact same thing that somebody else mm -hmm. is doing. So um, it's definitely a lot of like trying to get fluent within like that style. But I think that it's just like all about playing around to see like what you can do and like building up those kind of skills. I like that. Yeah, actually incorporating it into the warm-ups because, you know, especially with younger voices, they're they're still developing, still growing. And, you know, you're both in your early 20s and, you know, your voices are continually developing too. But to have that vocal flexibility, it's it, it takes that practice and it takes, you know, that time. And I'm guessing, you know, even though, you know, Potsdam and the Crane School of Music is is really mostly focused on classical training, you know, classically training, um, have you found that... Um, and I, I don't want to make any professors mad at me or anything. Have the professors, you know, worked on, you know, warm-ups like that as well within, you know, your lessons and things like that to really help develop your voice, not just classically, but incorporating that style and that technique into the pop stylings that you use for the pitches? I'd say that um, professors at Crane have really started to get more progressive with their thinking and um, are starting to really recognize that, like, all styles, like, we're going to go out and, you know, sing a cappella and we're going to sing all different sorts of things so might as well work on it um this past semester for an area recital i sang a christina aguilera song and my voice teacher worked with me and she talked a lot about the similarities between that song and like bel canto singing because you know there's just a lot of mm -hmm. there's a lot of similarities between like riffing and doing you know runs within the classical style so it's all flexibility it's just within different registers and different tones so there's a lot of parallels that i was able to draw and it's made me all the better singer to be able to work on that with my voice teacher because she knows my voice the best honestly you know i sing with her every single week right so she's able to give me tricks and even if she doesn't personally you know belt christine aguilar in her free time doesn't mean that she can't help me navigate those parts of my voice mm -hmm. that i love i love that there's that approach there's the making connections between everything you know that we are being taught and what we actually you know what we listen to and what we you know, what we're, what is on our playlists right now? How, how about you, Andrew? Is it the same for you? Yeah, my teacher does very similar things where he'll always try to bring it back to those more pop or musical theater stylings. Or when we're doing stuff in uh, more classical stylings, he'll be, he'll talk a little bit and say, well, if you wanted this to be more contemporary, just alter this. If you wanted this to sound more in the musical theater style, change this, but keep all of these things the same. So he makes sure to stress the ideas that there's a lot of similarities between styles of singing. There's actually only just a handful mm -hmm. of differences. So really focusing in on building like good breath support and good technique and good um, vocal development will be applicable across all styles. So it's important to continue to mm -hmm. like draw those parallels and recognize the similarities and just kind of recognize the few differences that do happen so that you can have a better overall singer.
Oh, this makes me so happy to hear, by the way. I'm just, I don't know why I'm whispering. Everyone can hear me. I, I just, I love hearing that we're, we're now connecting the styles and, you know, and that's something that I know that at least talking to some of the high schoolers that I've worked with in the past few years that I've given lessons to, um, there's the worry that we don't like classical music or, you know, we're singing this music. Why am I singing this? But like, well, to understand, you know, the technique, you work on it there, but then you can apply those techniques to the stuff that you're doing as well. And it's, it's like my sixth graders. And I, I don't know what you guys were like in elementary, middle school, high school, but you know, there was probably those, those songs that your director had you sing. And you're like, um, why are we doing this? Why can't we do this song? Why can't we do, you know, um, you know, uh, the, what's the cold and fugue, you know, season or whatever, you know, like the cheesy ones. Why can't we do the stuff that we like, Mr. Glodish? Why can't we do this? You know, it's because you're making the connections between the two. So, um, let's talk about summer, you know, uh, uh as of the time of this uh, recording, uh, Potsdam has just finished their spring semester. Most colleges have just uh, finished their spring semester. So congratulations to all the 2021 graduates. First of all, um, we're a month away from high school graduation. I know because I have work tomorrow. Um, but, you know, summer's coming up and uh, this, you are actually helping me kind of springboard this focus on different summer things going on in the acapella community. So we have, uh, you know, camp acapella, you know, acapella Academy, some of the big summer camps. Um, but you know, there's two fantastic groups and I'm going to talk to Alyssa about this real quick. There's two fantastic groups, at least that I know of to my knowledge on long Island or not on long Island on Cape Cod. Sorry for the summer. There is the Hyannis sound, which is the all male identifying group, uh, which puts out some fantastic singers. In fact, a few of them, uh, three of them actually form themselves. They're the TikTok tenors. They're all three former members of um, the Hyannis Sound, and they're all phenomenal singers. And then there's Cape Harmony, which is uh, the all-female identifying group um, on Cape Cod, and Alyssa is one of those members. So, Alyssa, can you talk a little bit about Cape Harmony and uh, what's your summer going to be like uh, singing with them? Yeah, Cape Harmony. Um, we are so excited to be back on the Cape for this summer. Um, I got in last year, so um, kind of crazy just kind of getting through a whole virtual summer that being my first kind of experience with Cape Harmony but I got mm -hmm. to learn so much with them this past summer and we're really excited to be physically on the Cape um, we're learning a lot of new music and we're just really excited I got the chance to arrange a song for this summer um, I have a solo on one or two and then um yeah, just like getting kind of a diverse set of repertoire out there, learning some standards, learning some newer stuff, and doing our four times a week weekly shows and booking some private gigs. So we're really excited to kind of just like jumpstart the summer and, you know, get that live singing back in us because I know that I've missed being able to sing in person with some other people, so... Yeah. And, you know, and the audition process is, you know, pretty thorough, I, I, I would assume, you know, because so many people apply and they only they take between what, 12 and 16 members, give or take. Yeah. So Cape Harmony is um, strictly 10. And I think that's for about the okay. same as Hyena Sound. Um, I had to send in a video audition and then they, they comb through those and, you know, we, we discuss and stuff like that. And then uh, callbacks, at least, you know, this year they were virtual, but when I got called back, I flew to Boston from Potsdam um, to go. Mm. So that was cool. And so, you know, 
it was a whole day of solo singing and interviews and doing different things like, you know, testing out like your sales pitch basically of like, oh, come to our show or um, doing kind of like some on the spot arranging or like blend tests and sight reading. So it's a, a whole long kind of process of, you know, a whole weekend taken up with picking out because, you know, you're going to be living with these people for the whole summer long. So you got to, you know, really test it out and see like, okay, like what are their musical abilities? but also what's our personality like and you know trying mm-hmm. to see are, is this going to be someone who can bring other things like social media skills business skills you know are they going to be our next music director maybe next summer so it's right. a lot to gauge within like one video audition and a weekend so we've got to be really thorough but um i think that we've got a really good group of people this year and i think that we're really excited nice. to get it started Awesome. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really a bit a business, you know, and you want the business to succeed. So I, I, that's awesome. And I wish you all the best. Um, Andrew, I know that you have actually participated um, in uh, the vocal company. Um, they hold, uh, you know, specific workshops. Dr. JD Frizzell is a phenomenal, phenomenal man uh, in everything that he does. And um, you've taken some of those in the past. So um, what has that been like for you just to really kind of hone your skills over the summer? It was amazing, honestly. I had so much fun. I believe I went in 2019, so the summer before this last summer, um, and it was amazing. I went to that next level. They called it that um, direct. Mm-hmm. So I got to learn a lot of it, a lot of about the directing acapella. And from JD Frizzell, he was amazing. So such a phenomenal educator, such an inspirational uh, man. And from John Smith, his work with the Swingles and his just work um, with Vocal Point too, and just how that's like all been translating. Um, into his work now with the Swingles, but it was a, a phenomenal experience. I learned so much. I just got a, a crash course at everything acapella and had to really um, do it successfully and write and get a lot of tips and tricks across the board and see what I could integrate into my own group because that was just about to be a semester where I was about to become the music director. So I had a lot to learn about music directing coming from like the high school scene into this collegiate scene and kind of mm-hmm. uh, figuring out how um, to both work off my strengths and my weaknesses, take what I've learned and from my experience in high school and continue to build off that and try to continue this sort of like successful um uh, track of the pitches doing well at these competitions. How am I going to continue? How are we going to continue to push forward and be at the mm-hmm. forefront of acapella as much as we can? Nice. And uh, you mentioned high school a lot. And as I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, uh, both of you had you know some pretty solid educators. And I kind of probably should have asked this at the beginning, but I don't care. Um, I, w- I want to talk to you about your experience in high school and how it helped prepare you for what you're doing in college right now, simply because, I mean, you know, I, I, I'm a generation older than you. Uh, we didn't really have acapella groups in our high schools back in the early 2000s, you know, or even in, uh, you know, some schools did, but most did not. And, uh, you know, our only acapella experience was watching Where in the World is Carmen San Diego, you know, or going to see Take Six in concert or acapella in concert, whatever, you know. And so, you have all been lucky enough to have, you know, those teachers really push forward the genre, um, you know, the style to you. How did that help prepare you for what you're doing now? And with everything that the two of you are doing now, because in my opinion, you're two of the more successful collegiate students, you know, in the acapella world that once you graduate, you know, even if you, you, you're both music education majors can go into teaching everything in that, but you have, you will have a plethora of opportunities for the two of you. How do you think what you are doing now is going to prepare you for 
the future. So let's start with the, how did high school prepare you for what you're doing now? And we'll go to Andrew for this one first. Yeah. So in high school, I, I was in uh, my group's, my school's uh, all-male acapella group called Trouble in Paradise. I got in my freshman year and kind of just got my first exposure to acapella because I really didn't know much about it. Honestly, I didn't even see like the Pitch Perfect movies, even though they already came out. I really didn't watch them. Um, How so dare I really you know say? I know, I know. I, I had not seen them before I went to this group. <laughs> I didn't watch it until maybe like a few years after, so that was... You're forgiven. Crazy. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> but I really didn't know much about acapella. It's just kind of like one of the like ensembles at my, my school is considered like one of the like elite ensembles. So if you were really wanted to get serious about music, which I really did, that was mm-hmm. the place to be. So I learned a lot about acapella just being in that experience. And then eventually, I'm um, like trying my hand at arranging. I'd done like little band arrangements back in like middle school. I'd like try stuff out on like note flight and stuff like that. So I mm-hmm. thought I'd give my hand to like vocal arranging. Never really tried much of that. And then when I started arranging that stuff, my teacher actually allowed me like teach and allowed me to give me those opportunities to like have more leadership opportunities. I really got to explore music and like make mistakes on my own, but then learn from those mistakes and really sharpen my skills. And I, I frankly can say that I wouldn't be like a fraction of the musician that I am now if I wasn't given that space and those opportunities to like explore, make mistakes, try stuff. Since mm. like acapella groups can often be so student run, it gives students so much space to like mm. really try stuff out and really develop their skills. You know, I, I, that just like helped me so much just in my music education degree as a musician. And then as that kind of transitioned into college, I really got to see more and I had understandings about how acapella worked and how to do it successfully and do it at an exceptionally high caliber. Mm. And how about you, Alyssa? I had a really similar experience. Um, I was in my school's All Trouble acapella group and um, my teacher gave so many opportunities to have like students run things. Uh, we got to choose the songs that we got to do. Um, I got my first hand at arranging in high school, probably like my junior year. Um, I was like a section leader. I got to like teach a lot of stuff. I got like to teach my own kind of like sections and, you know, help run different things. And it was really, it was just really awesome to be able to like experience that kind of music. Cause it was different from the choir stuff that I would do and, um, helped really prepare me for going into to college acapella and I got my own kind of sense of starting to like solo and start to like figure out my own voice and my teacher really encouraged me to you know work on my voice and um you know Mr. Huff he started you know doing the acapella invitational at our school so he would bring tons of other groups in and the porn accounts would come every single year to our invitational so I'd I'd see people you know, who are older than me that were doing this. And one year he had brought the pitches in and I was like, oh my mm-hmm. God, like there are, there are girls in this group. Like, this is awesome. Like, those are like people who, you know, they sing, you know, like me. And I was like, oh, I, I would love to be in a group like that. And, you know, here we are. So mm-hmm. um, it kind of like gave me that kind of like aspiration, like, oh, I want to be in an acapella group in college. And like, I want to keep doing this. And um, he also had, uh, Mr. Huff had a hand in starting the Scamia acapella group. So it was like an mm-hmm. all-county acapella. So I was in the first ever kind of all-county acapella group and that was so cool because we worked with Mark Silverberg from Five Towns College and I got to be able to work with the best acapella singers at their high schools and it was like it was you know it was a small ensemble so it was like going to that all-county kind of like that special kind of feeling of working on 
rep that was harder and working on things mm-hmm. that were like more difficult and getting to be with people who were, you know, the best at their kind of thing and getting to learn from, you know, other people. So I got a lot of opportunities to be able to really dig into acapella that I was like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to go be a pot stand pitch and you know, here I am. So that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, actually, Dr. Mark, we, uh, doc acapella, as they call him, uh, you know, he was actually on one of our first episodes and such a phenomenal presence in the acapella community. And you mentioned the pitches come into that acapella invitational. And I'm very familiar with uh, invitational because when Mr. Huff started it, um, I was still in the pointer counts and we were actually one of the, we performed there that one year. And I believe, gosh, I mean, I'm, I'm aging myself here. I remember I remember this very vividly. Um, I had presented at the National ACDA Conference in Salt Lake City. It was 2015, and I got my flight back, came in through JFK, drove to my in-laws' house on Long Island, and one of the other Long Island teachers was like, hey, man, the Invitational's tonight. You got to come. I drove to that Invitational, saw the pitches, saw you perform, I believe. And yeah, so it's, it's full circle now. This is, this is like the craziest thing. It's like, we're all remembering, you know, this is like five, six years ago, but I remember that Invitational because I believe actually Silverberg, Mr. Silverberg was there with Satellite Lane as well. Yeah, um, he had, yeah, he had his own group there and a uh, lot of high school uh, acapella groups on Long Island. So it, it was only natural to have, you know, the Suffolk County music educators create their own acapella group because every school pretty much had something. And, you know, that's one of my hopes for, you know, the all County experience is that, you know, you have your treble voices group, you have your mixed chorus group, you know, you have jazz band. Why can't you have acapella, you know, something to, to kind of think about and, and, and stuff. So, um, it's it's so wild that we're having this conversation and now in my head I'm like, wow, I remember I now I remember both of them when they were in high school and now they're they're gonna be seniors in college and they're gonna be moving on in the world. And that's so exciting because uh like I said, folks, these two are just phenomenal young individuals. And uh yeah. So uh before we go, what's the plan for I know you have one more year and I don't want to rush it on you, but What's the plan for after student teaching and senior year is over? Continuing in acapella or, you know, looking for, you know, looking for employment and then, you know, pushing acapella wherever you are. Um, What's the plan, Alyssa? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, being music ed, I want to be able to incorporate acapella into like my classroom and stuff like that. So I definitely would love to find wherever, whoever can take me, you know, to kind of, um, you know, do that. I was just observing at my school that I'm going to be student teaching at. And the teacher was like, Oh yeah, I've never done acapella, but you know, take your hand at it and like try it with these kids. They probably love it. So I'm going to be picking out some stuff for that. And, um, I also did an internship with cutoff studios for the past year. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I'm going to be working with them, uh, starting in next fall. So hopefully that will continue on and I'll be able to, um, I worked with the communications team with promoting a lot of the events like lens and stuff like that. So, um, continuing my work with them to really try and like help um, promote some acapella events that are going to be around, you know, the country and just like keeping up with what's going on in acapella. I don't really know where else things are going to take me, but I don't plan on this leaving my life anytime soon. So hey. yeah. Well, look at me. I, I mean, I have the podcast and I love that you mentioned cutoff because we've had them on here before. Great people over there as well. And how about you, Andrew? Yeah. So 
I have one more semester on campus and then the next semester, my spring semester, will be my student teaching semester. Not sure where I'm going yet, but I'll be somewhere in the Hudson Valley. And nice. hopefully I can do something very similar to Alyssa and maybe bring acapella to a school that really doesn't have um, a lot of acapella there. I really have experienced that because I would just like love to kind of see that like change somebody's life or kind of just see how that like affects their music education and like brings a new angle to like their musical world. And then after that, of course, I want to keep music in my life when I go into um, um, acapella in my life as I'm in my career teaching I plan on going to grad school first right away um, but mm -hmm. then after that I plan on getting out there and like getting a job and hopefully starting an acapella group and participating in all the wonderful things that I did and continuing to like um, encourage kids to do acapella and use acapella as a vehicle to like learn more about like music writing and learning I learned so much about music theory and performance and it can just be explored from so many different places you can use it um, for everything to teach in music. So I just think it's such a great um, ensemble experience for students to gain more autonomy over their music education, and then they can explore so much from that. Mm, I agree 100%, obviously. You know, and, you know, not for nothing, you know, using acapella not as the be-all, end-all, but it's it's supplemental to what they're already learning in their music education, you know? And uh, it also brings in more students you know they gather interest from what's being just like oh they're only using their voices yo that kid's beatboxing that's so awesome you know there's a lot of great value in what acapella can do for a choral program and, you know dr jd frizzell talked about it a few episodes ago there's great value in it and uh, approaching it in that with that mindset could really you know raise the numbers especially with the year that we just had where numbers dipped across the country in terms of, you know, what programs look like. So, you know, incorporating acapella really kind of helping boost those numbers up is something to look forward to. So Andrew, Alyssa, it has been a blast. Thank you so much. I am telling you folks, these two, uh, you know, give it a year, give it two years, but call them, hire them. They are phenomenal people. Even if you want them to workshop with your students, I promise you, you will not be disappointed. Um, you can look them up at uh, thepotsdampitches.com. And uh, Alyssa, Andrew, thank you so much for joining me this week on the Hockey Education Podcast. Thank you for having us. Yes, thank you so much. Absolutely. We'll be right back. Hey everyone, this is Justin from the Aka Education Podcast here to tell you about Anchor. Anchor is what I use to create these podcasts and let me tell you, it's free. Uh, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And the beauty of it is we'll distribute the podcast for you. So I can record on Anchor and it's going to send it to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all these other places as well. And I love that I can make money from this podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So be sure to download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hey, class of 2021, you did it. It was tough, but you did it. Congratulations. And thank you so much to Alyssa Spazzato and Andrew Richardson of the Potsdam Pitches at SUNY Potsdam for joining me this week on the Aka Education Podcast. Be sure to check out the links in the episode description for resources from this week's episode. Follow the podcast on social media at AkaEd Podcast on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And follow me, Justin Glodish, at OfficialJGlow on TikTok and Twitter. 
If you haven't done so already, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. We're found on Anchor, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. New episodes are released every Wednesday. You can also now tune into the podcast on Acaville Radio, acaville.org. If interested in supporting this podcast with a monthly donation, go over to anchor.fm slash podcast to do so. And if you ever have any questions about the podcast, suggestions on future guests, please email me at akaedpodcast at gmail.com or leave a voice message on the Anchor website. From the Aka Education Podcast, I'm Justin Glodish. We'll talk soon.